This week's Coming of Age episode is sponsored by OLTCA's sector champion, Plan A, powered by StaffStat. It's through their ongoing partnership and generous support that we are able to host our thought-provoking podcast. Stay tuned to the end of today's episode to learn more about Plan A, powered by StaffStat. What gets me out of a bed in the morning, and I believe this is true for all of us at People Care, what, what gets us up in the morning is, is uh, changing the world of senior living. And that's what we want to do and get up every morning and, and, and make an impact. This is Coming of Age, Meeting the Needs of Our Aging Population, a podcast about how we can better support our seniors. I'm your host, Donna Duncan. I am also the CEO of the Ontario Long-Term Care Association, which represents about 70% of long-term care homes in Ontario, Canada. In this episode, I'm joined by Brent Gingrich, Chairman and CEO of People Care Communities. Brent stepped up to serve as chair of our Ontario Long-Term Care Association board at the height of the pandemic. He's a highly regarded leader in the sector and is known for his values-based leadership throughout the most difficult of times. I must say it was a privilege to work with him in supporting teams in their homes to bring everyone along at what was a truly unimaginable time. No one left behind is his motto. Brent quite literally grew up in long-term care in a family deeply committed to public service, especially to seniors. In our discussion, Brent shares his beliefs on how to create great places for seniors to live and how to create meaningful, purposeful places for people to work. I am absolutely delighted to welcome today a very special guest uh, and a very special leader, Brent Gingrich, Chairman and CEO of People Care Communities. Uh, Welcome, Brent, to the podcast. Really excited to have you join us. Thank you so much, Donna. Thank you very much for for having me. It's just a, it's a real pleasure. Been been enjoying this podcast uh, since it's been kicked off, so it's uh, fantastic to be part of it. In addition to his role with People Care, Brent has been an extraordinary uh, strength and stay for the association uh, throughout the pandemic as chair of our board. And really, do want to thank you for your leadership, Brent, uh, both within your own organization, but really your philosophy of, of no one left behind, building strong, high-performing teams, uh, really has resonated and and helped to lift uh, hundreds of long-term care homes and their teams up uh, during the worst of, of our our experience with this global pandemic. So thank you very much for that. You bring a very special approach to how you lead at both from a, your, your own organizational perspective, but also from a system perspective, but also from a social perspective. Brent, you refer to yourself as a social entrepreneur and an impact investor. Could you take a moment and explain what that means for the benefit of our listeners? And then how does that translate into practice on the ground? Well, thanks, Donna. Thanks for that uh, very kind uh, introduction. Really, I'm interested in in applying organizational best practices uh, to solve social issues. You know, it's it's been an honor uh, leading people care. Our vision is really to, to change the world of senior living. And this, this we try to do by by making a, and focusing on making a positive impact in, in other people's lives and uh, the sector's evolution. 
yeah, we want to make a, a positive impact in, in our communities and, and a positive impact with, with everyone touched by our services. And, and uh, you know, this is something that has been a value of our organization and, and my family's for, for ever since I really can remember. So that taste for community social enterprise really <laughs> was endowed to you at birth. It's a it's part of your your DNA. I, I guess so. I mean, uh, you know, People Care was founded by my my grandparents uh, Ruth and Roy Schlegel uh, over fifty years ago. You know, they would they would sponsor displaced uh, people. You know, at the end of the, the war, World War II helping people come to Canada, you know, supporting uh, destitute individuals and providing accommodation in their own home. The house was always very busy, lots of activity. It was always open and welcome for people to come and go. And eventually they they found their way to uh, to found a, a home for special care, as it was called, uh, at an old schoolhouse in Tavistock, where in fact they actually lived out of for a while, and and that evolved into a long-term care home in the in the early seventies. You know, when I when I came along, so so I was really born into into long-term care. I remember, you know, my parents actually ran the home uh, for some time. Literally, I they they bring me to work uh, for for babysitting, and I would just kind of run around run around the home, my brother and I, and we'd, we'd follow whatever staff member uh, intrigued us that day, whether it was the, the maintenance person or, or, uh, or, or whatever. And it was, it was a really, really fun, fun environment. And, and uh, you know, that, that sense of caring and community, uh, I guess we were, just, we were just born around. You know, those values, I guess, stuck with me. And, you know, I'd worked in the home during the high school and, and part-time and obviously uh, throughout my childhood. But uh, af- after high school, my friend and I decided to take a, a gap year and, and uh, we had a bit of a sense of adventure and, and uh, traveled to, uh, to Bangladesh of all places, which is, which is the place he was actually adopted from as a child and, uh, you know, worked at an orphanage there for some time and then traveled around Southeast and, and Southwest Asia. And, and really realized how fortunate we are are in Canada, and and uh, you know how most parts of the world, you know, does not have the social safety net that Canada has. And and uh, um, you know, I came home with a real a real clear sense, I think, of purpose and and what I would dedicate my career toward. Well, and I, and I know that through your leadership, People Care Communities has partnered with Mita to invest for social impact. And so interesting to hear the roots of this partnership. How did that relationship come to pass? I think Amita, Amita is a Mennonite Economic Development Associates. And, and obviously it was, uh, you know, originally kind of a faith-based organization organized by, uh, you know, Mennonite entrepreneurs to help foster economic development in, in developing countries. This uh, carries on today. Mita has, you know, 25 or so projects going on around the world, really creating uh, economic development opportunities for uh, for individuals, primarily now women and, and girls, to provide uh, meaningful work and uh, entrepreneurial opportunities, which can lift the entire entire community. And you know, without without that economic development, there's no social programs, there's no social safety net, there's no schools, there's no there's no wells. So it's really kind of a game changing philosophy, and and you know we're part of this uh, UN uh, pledge to try to end extreme poverty uh, by 2040. So it's a it's a 
exciting to be involved in that. I'm, I'm now on the board of directors. After, after leaving old TCA's board, I've, I've uh, been excited to join Mita and uh, focus on another uh, compelling uh, opportunity. Well, and it's, it, it does speak to your values-based leadership as well, Brent, and, and that, that really comes out. As I think about people care, and, and I've been to some of your long-term care homes and, and know, know so many of your team members, you are known to have a dynamic culture of excellence, innovation, engagement. Uh, your team members are, are really engaged. What's the secret sauce to fostering that kind of culture? Well, I think you said it right there. All, all, all I can do as a leader and all we can do as leaders is try to foster a culture. Uh, foster a culture of, of high performance is what I, I strive to do. Uh, we strive to do at People Care. Um, you got to create, create the right environment uh, so, so great things can happen. You know, the magic really happens in our home, but, but here at our, as health leaders, uh, you know, all we can do is try to foster that culture and, and have a, you know, compelling vision. First things you need to do is number one, define it, defining, define what uh, high performance culture is, and and number two, you, you try to live it. Uh, so to define it, have your compelling mission, vision, and values, and and you know these have been with fortunately with people care passed on uh, generations, and uh, really makes us who we are. From there, you you know you need to define your key success factors. You know what what are those really key compelling, game changing things that that you know, we want to rally around and, and monitor and, and focus on as an organization. And, and uh, obviously quality service uh, is very important. Uh, leadership uh, is very important. Financial stewardship is obviously very important when you're operating a, a large organization. Um, quality service in our, in our organizations is very easily defined to be exceeding the expectations of our of our clients. And we define clients as uh, residents, families, staff, and anyone touched by our services. So we're always striving to striving to meet and exceed uh, expectations. And that's the simple measure of quality. You know, there's other clinical indicators, obviously we monitor, but, but you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be more complicated than that. We've been through a lot and your teams have been through a lot and our local communities have been through a lot uh, as we move through the the pandemic. And and, and unfortunately, there's a lot of stigma around uh, long-term care. And, and a lot of, uh, quite honestly, we've spoken on this podcast a lot about ageism. How do we get out ahead of this stigma? What we try to do and what we want to do is establish a high bar high bar and how we establish a high bar is 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 and in, in inspire people is is try to be innovative and and uh, go beyond the status quo that is what gets us up in the morning that's what wakes us up you know i think there's there's some organizational best practices you know that can be garnered and and they're really not that complicated uh, you know i think from a a policy and, and government perspective, it's it's realizing that, you know, I think we've made some some tremendous progress. You know, the pandemic has really been, been a difficult time and and taken its toll. And uh, but but it has shined a light on on senior living and senior care and and some of the issues that that we've been facing and advocating for uh, for over over since my my entire career. Um, the government is, you know, I think uh, keenly interested in, in making a positive change. And we have, a, I think, a responsibility as, as operators and, and leaders to, to help inform that change and, and, and uh, make sure it's, our emphasis are uh, 
uh, on the best means possible. Our policymakers and, and government are, are huge leaders in this sector. I think there's some organizational best practices that that can be uh, can be applied. Uh, you know, number one, uh, let, let's have a let's create a compelling vision and mission for for senior care in in Canada in Ontario. <laughs> you know, the National Health Service of the UK has a very compelling mission and vision for guiding their their program, and you know, it's around improving lives and and striving to improve health and well being and people's experience in in the National Health Service. And again, speaks to, well, again, how I define quality uh, very simply is uh, exceeding uh, exceeding our, our residents and families' expectations. And, um, you know, I think garnering that, uh, that vision, rally behind it, and then agree on, you know, what the key success factors and the key measures are. And, and certainly that's, that's a key one of them. And instead of, you know, focusing on, uh, you know, inputs and, and such, we, we look at outcomes and, and really let our, let our caregivers, um, do what they love to do and that's provide care. And that's what really inspires people, I believe, and inspires our caregivers. I know that you've done a lot with your team around the resident and family satisfaction. So if, if one of the biggest measures is whether our family members and our, and our residents are satisfied, if they're happy and feel valued and well cared for, then uh, that that's really one of the most important things that matters and, and they feel safe. I know you've done a lot of work with your team around gauging the satisfaction. Can, can you speak a bit about how do you bring those voices to, to life and how you engage with your residents and families and, and what you do with what you learn from them? You got to be really understand, you know, what our, our caregivers are, what's important to our caregivers. And, and they're the ones that are, that are on the ground and making the magic happen in the home. You know, if we have engaged um, caregiving teams and, and then that's the, the best thing we can do to provide, uh, you know, high levels of quality and care to our residents. That's, that's really what, what is important to them. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we obviously we have uh, surveys and engagements all the time in our homes. What's really important to our families and our residents are our staff. Um, you know, we, you know, we're building these old, new, beautiful homes and, and, um, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, there's older homes out there, there's newer homes, but, but really what's most important to our residents and families is, is those team members that are, that are providing that care. You know, I remember when I was a, uh, student, you know, working in, uh, in, in long-term care, uh, I think my, one of my first days on the floor, I, I worked in activities. I came to work the first day and I was, you know, kind of well-dressed. I wanted to make a good impression. I had dress shoes on and, and, uh, you know, one of our, our nurse leaders uh, looked at me and, and she was very close to our family and, and had been friends with our family for years. And she looks at me, she goes, Brent, uh, dress shoes aren't going to work. <laughs> I'm like, what? You'll find out. So after my shift, you know, you, you run your run your uh, tail off uh, the entire time and probably had blisters at the end of my shift. So so uh, so, the, so that's long-term care. I mean, you come to work, you put your running shoes on and, and, and you run hard. But at the, at the end of it, you know, I just felt incredible incredibly satisfied, uh, you know, at the end of my shifts. And that's, that's really what, what, what kept us going. So, you know, I think our job as leaders is to, you know, remove those barriers for our caregivers so that they can uh, focus on, you know, what's important to them. And, you know, I see my role as a leader is to you know, provide the tools and the resources that, that they need to do their job. 
you know, advocate. And again, another reason why I stepped up on the on the long term care association board to uh, to again try to try to get the resources that we need so our, our our caregivers can can do the jobs that they they love to do. And as you know, what we experienced through the pandemic, there was such a focus on numbers, on on data throughout the pandemic, and everyone was counting numbers: the number of deaths, number of people, number of homes in outbreak, number of people who who'd been in, been infected by COVID. And at the end of the day, this is about people. It's the people who are who are living in the homes, the people who are uh, working beside them, and the people who are visiting them, and uh, keeping those individuals. At, at, at the core of, of all that you do really, really resonates. Yeah, I mean, the pan, pandemic really took its toll. I mean, it was, it was a really difficult time. I remember Donnie, you and I uh, working together and, and uh, man, thank, thank you for everything that you've done in keeping the sector aligned and, and um, advocating for uh, resources that, that we need. Uh, you know, it's it one of the most difficult things we, you know, we, we ever faced, I think, this uh, pandemic. And, you know, we're still, we're still going through it. Um, um, but, you know, we'll, 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 we'll get together. And, and I think one of the best thing we, we've done, we did was, you know, we tried to stay grounded. You know, we tried, tried to stay grounded in our, in our values and, and, and really trying to help others. So I think that's what so what helped me is is to try to try to help others and help the sector. Remember our motto, uh, Donna, was that no one gets left behind, and uh, um, you know it was just uh, I, I don't know. Uh, hopefully, it resonated, um, continues to resonate. Um, but but I think uh, you know if we stay stay grounded uh, in what we're all trying to achieve uh, when when chaos is ensuing and and. Uh, continue to provide, uh, you know, create innovative solutions to those problems and, and put, put those things forward. Um, we, we can't, we can't work the same way we we've done in the past, right? Uh, things have changed on the dime. COVID, COVID threw, threw us a curveball, and, and we, we have to pivot and, uh, continue to be innovative and, and try to, you know, drive, drive different solutions to, uh, to these unique problems that we're now faced with. So to to that point, Brent, you know, we really did come together as a sector, not only across Ontario, but across Canada and around the world and and comparing notes with with colleagues in the United Kingdom or Australia or from Vancouver really, really helped. And even our our weekly members calls and and we've had hundreds of people coming each week to share and to come together together. One of the risks I think we have is is fatigue and burnout now. And a lot of our leaders are feeling less resilient. Health human resources is a the challenge plaguing all of us, again, regardless of country, uh, regardless of community. How do we support individuals in anchoring themselves in a more resilient framework? How do we give people hope? How do we keep people engaged? And how do we keep people working together? As fear sets in and fatigue, it can become very oppositional. And we really need leaders. We need to support the leaders we have. And we need leaders like you to uh, help lift up those who are still working in this sector, but also demonstrate that um, we've got the leaders that people want to come and work with. How do we get some positive energy and overcome some of the darkness, but 
create some momentum that's that's positive and and encourages everybody to move on that path to to innovation to modernization to to see this as as a really motivating time and i think it is i mean it actually one of the things that inspired me to to you know be chair of the OLTCA was was that i th- i think this is one of those you know, unique events uh, that you know will will drive real change and and uh, a real shine a real light on on seniors and issues and aging and and ageism. We have a great opportunity to to, to reshape things, but burnout's also an issue, right? So we need to acknowledge that our caregivers can't do everything. Um, you know, we need to support them, and we need to be there for them and acknowledge the great work that they're doing. You know, build strategies around. Um, you know, people care calls our strategy recovering strong. You know, this is a wellness initiative, and and you know we have uh, you know wellness champions in, in each home and on each floor, and and just you know again trying to get a pulse for our staff, and and that we don't uh, you know we we, we acknowledge uh, burnout is an issue as you know we staff are working short out there and doing double duty, and and you know there's all kinds of you know, disruption. So again, once one of the more disheartening aspects was was that our, our residents be- became isolated and our families, um, you know, had trouble visiting. And, and we tried to prevent COVID from coming into our homes. You know, it was a, it was a difficult time. And, and again, we need to look outside the box and, and look at the, some innovations and, and, and look beyond long-term care. I remember during the pandemic, we, we brought in uh, Doctors Without Borders and uh, they were doing... Uh, Thankfully, they were they were doing some outreach in Canada. Uh, Doctors Without Borders they recognized this was this was a crisis, and uh, and they brought some resources uh, to uh, to the healthcare system in, in in Canada. We brought in some some nurses who had uh, been involved with uh, the Ebola crisis you know, in Africa, caring through that, and uh, you know I, we had had them speak with with our team and and uh, I believe it inspired the inspired uh, some some chats with the entire the entire sector it's just uh, you know our nurses are trained uh, to work in an environment of infection control as long as they have the tools and resources to do that um, you know they can do that but uh, but certainly it's 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 you know bringing bringing new innovations to bear like uh, testing you know i remember uh, yeah, we recognized testing was a real problem, um, and this was. But with with good testing, we could keep COVID out of our homes. And People Care, I think, was instrumental in in pushing rapid testing into the sector. It's certainly not not perfect, but uh, but but you know, it's a measure. It's it's something that that can help uh, bringing more innovations like that. And and uh, you know, I think we also have to look at you know how we can be more. Uh, more productive and, and our caregivers can do more uh, out there and not not burden them with some of the admin activities that they they have to do and, and let them focus on residents and, and caring and and uh, you know let us administrators uh, worry about the, uh, the the other parts of it and you know we have technology that we can use to uh, to support them on those those things as well so uh, so I, I, again I think I think there's uh, really exciting times in this sector I think long-term care is a great place to work it's super satisfying you know, I, I really see some some great momentum actually and, and a real shift. I know you've really pushed the envelope on a number of occasions, including with pharmacy, long-term care pharmacy, specialized pharmacy for, for our long-term care homes built around the needs of, of who our residents are, but also supporting staff teams given the medication requirements of, of our residents, the leadership 
that uh, you you demonstrated on rapid testing, I, and I think you've you've demonstrated that if you go with a, a solution, government is is open. I, I think there is an opportunity for some more nimbleness. Uh, we've got about forty thousand people on our wait list today in Ontario, and uh, three thousand of those individuals are in crisis. We know that our hospitals uh, are are uh, struggling. Uh, primary care, family health teams, um, you know, the system's at a, at a very critical point. But at, at the core of this is that the number of individuals in Ontario alone over the age of 80 will double in, in over the next 13 to 15 years. We have to continue to get government support in long-term care. What are your recommendations as, as policymakers and decision-makers contemplate the future of long-term care within that broader context? You know, the government's made some some tremendous progress and has some tremendous opportunities to improve um, senior living in, in Canada. I think the key role is, is uh, fostering that culture, foster a culture of high performance. Uh, you can't force a culture of high performance, right? You know, we've all often talked about, and, and uh, there's been many reports on this culture of Compliance and policing and and uh, is really counterproductive. It, it actually de-inspires and demotivates our caregiving teams out there. So we need to create a culture of high performance. And how do we do that? Is 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 through engagement and and uh, really talking to talking to the operators, talking with our caregivers, and and you know figuring out what the tools and resources they need are to do their job. You know, monitor outcomes. You know, outcome monitoring outcomes can be actually motivating. Uh, for people, it's you know establishing a target. Uh, let's say it's uh, meeting exceeding expectations of our, our clients and families, and and uh, you know we we don't have a common measure of that even now, right? <laughs> we don't know what the baseline is. It, it's funny we have uh, all these complicated clinical metrics, and you can go online and check them out, and and uh, great clinical indicators, but. You know, they're not really necessarily um, what's ultimately important to improving the, the experience of our residents and families. It's fostering a culture as, as opposed to forcing a culture, <laughs> right? You can't force anything. Um, we, we need to foster. So, uh, so let's step back and, and uh, have, a, have a dialogue on how, how, how we can do that. You know, as you engage locally, what are the things that you hear from the people in your communities about the value of how you build your homes, how you uh, support your residents and, and engage caregivers? We do a lot of engagement. So, you know, you know, when we, uh, you know, we've been fortunate to, uh, to have the opportunity to grow and, and people care and, and have the opportunity to redevelop uh, our older homes and, and develop some new homes. And, you know, the first thing we'll do is, is uh, engage with the local governments and municipal governments and local community groups. Engagement's very important. You know, people are really thrilled for the opportunity to, uh, create real senior living communities, um, places of care. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, people don't want to live in a facility, right? People want to live in a home. And, and beyond that, people want to live in a community, right? There's a lot of social isolation uh, among seniors, uh, you know, uh, out there. And, and uh, you know, it's important to, to build that community. So that's what People Care tries to do is we try to create communities, uh, caring communities uh, that have continuums of care where people can... Uh, you know, age in place and and uh, have the care and supports that surround them. So uh, so it's a really exciting uh, 
Uh, and but what we do need to work with all levels of government to try to make it happen. Uh, it's it's not not easy. The development cycle is is long, and finding um, you know zoned land that's appropriate in in urban areas is is difficult, very difficult to find. Um, so uh, we need to all work together to uh, to to solve um, to solve these these issues and and uh, address the wait list and, and create these beautiful caring communities for our seniors. Um, uh, so they can they can live their best years of their life. Well, and 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 to your point uh, earlier, in order to care for people, even including in the your new homes, you need caregivers, you need people to provide the care. I know that you've been doing some uh, some work with the federal government and and with some others to to bring people into your homes uh, from abroad. What's resonating in as as you do that outreach to attract international talent? Uh, what's the game changer? Canada was settled by immigration, and we'll continue to to depend on uh, immigration and and uh, people coming to Canada for work and, and new opportunity. People Care has done a lot of uh, recently as we're opening new homes uh, to try to uh, try to engage with uh, you know international. Organizations, uh, you know, such as uh, Talent Beyond Boundaries, a fantastic organization that uh, is connecting, uh, you know, refugees with opportunities to work in in, uh, developing countries uh, like Canada. So, uh, but, you know, there's lots of barriers, right? There's lots of barriers to, uh, you know, bringing folks from overseas uh, to Canada. Uh, But, you know, we've stuck with it and worked with some some great organizations, uh, I believe, uh, for a new home we're opening in Meaford. uh, this fall, we've there are thirty new Canadians <laughs> going to be uh, coming to Meaford and, and working, and, and you know it's it's great great for the community to see that type of growth in rural Ontario, and and uh, certainly the uh, the care is is needed, but it doesn't end there. We need to uh, uh, continue to create this uh, pipeline of of, uh, of of leadership and and fantastic talent in our sector, and continue to inspire people into the sector and and. And promote that it is really a great place to work, and it is really satisfying work. Uh, and there's there's really nothing you can do that's that's more satisfying than caregivers. And and we want to find those those individuals that that are inspired as as we are uh, to do that type of work and provide an opportunity uh, to have a, a great career. Uh, you know, with with uh, you know great organizations. Well, and I know uh, in addition to doing the work that you're doing in terms of uh, attracting international talent, you also have a, a very innovative partnership with Trent University uh, in uh, Peterborough, Ontario. Yeah, that's another exciting, exciting opportunity because, you know, Canada is a, is a great place for education. People come to Canada from all around the world for, for education. And uh, really what we should be doing is, is uh, you know, educating folks for work abroad. Trent uh, is a very forward-looking uh, or, uh, organization. Have a, a campus, some vacant land in their campus, and, and had had the the vision, the idea to build a intergenerational uh, teaching senior living community. People Care was selected to work with Trent on this project, and and we continue to do that. But it's going to be exciting, uh, basically creating a uh, a teaching uh, type of long-term care organization uh, and close to campus and provide intergenerational. Uh, Opportunities, and I think it's a model that that could be built to you know many other you know all communities across Ontario. 
What really strikes me, Brent, is you chat, like you're, you're still so full of optimism. It's great to get it into your brain as, as you think about the opportunities and you're not constrained to, this is my local community, but thinking more broadly, thinking globally, building out on those, those uh, new partnerships and relationships. So final question for you, where do you get your inspiration from? What gets me out of a bed in the morning, and I believe this is true for 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 many of us of people care, all of us of people care. What what gets us up in the morning is is uh, changing the world of senior living, and that's what we want to do and get up every morning and and, and make an impact. And, you know, it really is our focus on continuous improvement, uh, right? Make an impact. In, innovation is what what in, inspires me and. Adventure of service creation. So, uh, you know, I guess uh, the chair of the Long-Term Care Association was an adventure and maybe that's why I did it and, uh, you know, continue to uh, be inspired by other development opportunities to uh, to, to make the sector better, uh, senior care sector better. You know, I love working with and getting ideas and sharing uh, networking with other, uh, you know, leading non-governmental organizations that are doing great work and, and fostering uh, entrepreneurism and international development, we have the opportunity to to make some significant change in the world. And and uh, it's just, that's really what inspires me <laughs> and uh, is, gets me awake in the morning. So, uh, Well, thank you so much for your commitment to service, uh, your commitment to people, your uh, commitment to excellence and integrity. And uh, thank you for your energy. And uh, we look forward to supporting your work in uh, changing the world. Thank you, Donna, and, and uh, thank you for everything that you're, you're doing here and in this podcast. And I know how hard you work, and uh, uh, wow, it's it's just we're so lucky to have people like you and leaders like you, Donna, in this sector. And uh, you know, please uh, just continue doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Speaking with Brent always fills me with hope for the future. Brent and other leaders across seniors care are moving ahead with new approaches and new partnerships to build high-performing teams and to improve the lives of the people in their care and the lives of their team members. Brent and his teams are leading the changes we all need to see, and the future of seniors care will look very different thanks to their efforts. This week's Coming of Age episode is sponsored by OLTCA's sector champion, Plan A, powered by StaffStat. Does your home have a staffing strategy in place? StaffStat automates your shift filling process and intuitively predicts shift needs. Plan A works in tandem with StaffStat, offering homes a backup staffing model that supports employees and keeps residents safe and cared for. Learn more at jointheateam.com. Thank you for listening to Coming of Age, meeting the needs of our aging population. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, rate our show five stars, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, I'm your host, Donna Duncan. Keep well. Keep well.